0: fellowship, just the opportunity to open up the Word of God. I've enjoyed being here with you all, and I'm sure you'll enjoy when I leave. Well, that's okay. But, no, it's a blessing to be here, as I've said. It's a blessing to uh, just uh, know Brother Keegan all these years, and uh, I really enjoyed that special he did, that little light of mine. You say, I don't know, that's kind of fanatical. You know what's fanatical? You ever been to a football game? whoa, wait, wait, wait. I'm in Texas. It's like asking, have you ever seen a cactus? (laughs) That's when you've seen grown men that are fanatical. (laughs) Shirts off, face painted, and all that for football. And that's fine. Have fun. Do what you want. But I'm just saying, this little light of mine, that's, that's not fanatical. That's loving the Lord. I like that. And we'll get in the message. Turn to Genesis chapter 22 in just a moment. But uh, there's, a, there's a good principle, obviously, that song's about letting your light shine as a, a Christian, being that light to a lost and dark world. Uh, interesting study sometime. The Bible says the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. And uh, there's another reference where they said, the Bible says the Lord lit my candle. Boy, that's interesting. And you know what every lost man is? Their spirit, they have a candle, but it's not lit. They're in darkness. And when you get saved, God lights your candle. And now you have that illumination, that knowledge, that light. But you know what I find really interesting? You go to the book of Revelation, you read about a candlestick. You know what the candlestick is? It's the local church. You say, what are you saying, preacher? You know where a lit candle belongs? A lit candle belongs on a candlestick. Christian, you know where you belong? In a local church. That's where lit Candle belongs. And so I think there's just some good truths in there. And you say, what are you saying? I think as a church, your light should shine. Not just individually. And I know it does here at Indian Gap Baptist Church. But that's why you should uh, continue to get involved. Continue to support the preacher. Continue to reach out as a community. Continue doing what you're doing. Because you are a light to this community. Not only individually, but as a local New Testament church. So... With that said, again, uh, I know Pastor Keegan already mentioned it, but thank you all, the families that are here, all the ladies, the hospitality, Sister Linda, Brother Ronnie for letting us stay there at the ranch, uh, Brother Keegan for your friendship and your faithfulness and what Indian Gap Baptist Church stands for. So um, if you don't mind, if we could stand again, I usually do this just for Sunday morning only. If we could stand for the reading of the Word of God, we're going to read Genesis chapter 22. Uh, By the way, you know where that comes from? comes from Nehemiah chapter 8. Right. Nehemiah gets the book of the law. All the people are there together, the men, the women, and the children. He's on a pulpit of wood above everyone so they can see him. And it says they all stood as he read the word of God. So that's where that comes from. It's just a principle given honor. The center thing is the word of God this morning. About Genesis chapter 22 verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass, after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham... And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up. And went unto the place of which God had told him of. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, And took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both, and went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And now Abraham, he's about to say these prophetic words that are, thank God, they're in the word of God. He says this. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. They came to the place which God told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The angel Lord called unto him out of heaven, said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. Let's pray. Father, I do just thank you for another opportunity to open the Word of God. Lord, I've strived to teach the word of God over the last three services. Now, Lord, as I get ready to preach, I pray that you would use me. A vessel meet for the master's use. God, I pray that the, the congregation would have attentive ears to the words of God. May you accomplish only what you can accomplish. May you be glorified. We love you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Obviously, this is one of the many stories that you see in type and picture that one day that God would provide Himself as that, as that Lamb of God, as that offering, as that burnt sacrifice. And what a beautiful picture here! You have Abraham, the father. He takes his son Isaac. And he has two lads with him, just like the crucifixion, how when God the Father gave his son, there was two thieves, one on each side of him. And the son is to be the sacrifice. The son is to be the offering. And what a beautiful picture it is. It was the third day, the Bible says, just like on the third day, Jesus rises from the dead. And you could go on and on about the details about how Genesis chapter 22 and Abraham pictures God the Father and Isaac pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to me, thank God for Calvary and thank God for that shed blood. It's only by that sacrifice we can be redeemed. It's only by that shed blood we can be made whole and reconciled unto God. And so let me just say here this morning, this is not the message, but obviously I don't know everyone here. If you don't personally know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. See the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary for your sins. He died in your place so you could have forgiveness. But you must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You'll find an interesting study there in Exodus about the Passover lamb, which again is another picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says you need to take a lamb to be a sacrifice. You know what you needed for your sin? You needed a lamb. But then it goes on to say you have to take the lamb. See, it can't just be any lamb. It's got to be the lamb of God. He's the only one that suffices. But then the next verse says it has to be your lamb. See, having a substitute, a lamb, is what you need. But it has to be the lamb. But it's not good enough until you make it your lamb. See, the problem with America is a lot of people know about a lamb. A lot of people know about the lamb. But a lot of people don't know to make it your lamb. So salvation, you don't get born into salvation. We studied that this morning. You get born into Adam. And just because your parents are saved doesn't mean you're saved. There has to be a day, place, and a time when you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You hear the gospel, the good news, how Christ died for your sins according to the scripture. He was buried and rose again the third day. And you receive him by faith. Nothing else. Not baptism, not church attendance, not being a good person. But trusting in the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so I say again, just as a side note, though it's not a side note, if you're here today and not saved, it's the most important question is, have you received the Lamb of God as your Savior? But I know most of you, the vast majority of you in here, your testimony is, you're saved. And all week we've been talking about the importance, as Pastor Keegan said, of the Word of God. And I told you, the Bible says, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so this is the chapter on true worship. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you want to really worship God? Do you want to have real true worship in your life? Before you answer that question, you might want me to get through the message. Because true worship is not what most people think true worship is. Remember, I've set the foundation. We introduced some principles, as Pastor Keegan said, you already know, about rightly dividing. Maybe gives you some interesting thoughts. But the emphasis is the fact is, if you're going to worship God, it's based on the Word of God. And here we find that Abraham is going to go and worship God. So when I asked you this morning, do you want to worship God? And so let's look at this chapter and see what we can learn about true worship. And say... Yes, God, I'm ready to truly worship you. And so that's the point of this message we're going to preach this morning about true worship. And the first thing I see in regards to true worship, listen to me, if you're going to truly worship God, there always is an examination of your faith. There's always an examination of your faith. Look, if you would, with me in verse 1. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And He said, Behold, here I am. Do you see that? This chapter is about God, about Abraham worshiping God. It's about true worship, but it starts with God tempting Abraham. Now, we won't turn there for time's sake, but if you run the cross-reference in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible clarifies what that temptation is. It says he tried His faith. You said, what is this temptation? What is this trying of Abraham's faith? Well, it tells you. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, and he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt sacrifice upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. You ready to worship God? You sure? You sure? Abraham's going to worship God. And here comes the examination. He wants to see. Abraham, are you really ready to worship me? Take your son, your only son. You're going to put him on an altar. You're going to kill him. And listen, he doesn't stop there. He's going to be a burnt sacrifice. That's what the wood's for. You know what Abraham's going to do? He's going to light that fire and wood after he plunges that knife into his son's, ha- uh, son's chest. You know why he's going to do that? You look at the book of Hebrews, Isaac's the son of promise. Abraham believed God so much, he thought, man, he's got to resurrect Isaac from the dead. If I kill him, if I burn him, God's going to raise him up because he said he would. And that's the only reason he did it. But here's the point. If you're going to worship God, it starts with the examination of your faith. See, oftentimes people want to worship God. When everything's going good. When there's no problems. Oh, it's real easy to say I love Jesus on the mountaintop. But can you say I love Jesus when your son's on the altar? See, there's an examination of your faith connected to true worship. Not worship like the world says, but true worship. Can I just tell you this morning? True worship will be connected when God examines your faith. Then you'll see if you can truly worship God. Now we won't pause for a lot of this, but you realize the law first mentioned, this is the very first time the word love shows up in your Bible. And you can define a word by the very first time it occurs and it carries throughout the Bible its definition. And listen to me, true love is not pictured between a husband and a wife. Although a husband and wife can truly love each other. You know why? Because oftentimes it's not true love. True love. It's lust, it's gain, it's benefit. You know what true love is pictured as? The love between a father and a son. And I'd even go as far as, say, as a mother and her child. You say, why? Well, you know if you're a parent, there's no gain for you. You love that child unconditionally. That's true love. That's why parents, at least they never used to, you don't end in divorce with your children, right? But with relationships they do. So when God wants to show show what true love is, he says, take thy son whom thou lovest. And true love is between a father and his son. But we see here the examination of Abraham's faith. Many have heard my testimony. I, I was not definitely not boasting. I was a, came from a broken home, a drunk and a drug addict. By the time I was 16 years old, drinking and driving every night, it was by the grace of God that I got in the military. I was telling Brother Keegan last night, about 17 years old, I looked up at those stars, half drunk, down by the dam. And you know what those stars said? There is a God. <laughs> now, I didn't hear audibly. I wasn't hallucinating. Anybody they said it in my heart. I never read a Bible. Never had a gospel tract. No one ever witnessed to me. But for the first time in my life, the heavens declared the glory of God. And I knew there was a God, and I started trying to change my life. Of course, you don't get saved by changing your life, but I joined the military. Long story short, on Operation Dynamic Mix, May 28, 2000, my chief opened the Bible. He shared with me the gospel. He told me I was a sinner. I was going to die and go to hell. But he shared with me the greatest story ever told, how that Christ took my place on the cross of Calvary. And if I'd receive him, it would saved me. And that day, May 28, 2000, I fell to my knees. I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm going to die and go to hell, but I believe you died for me. You say, what did you do? I did what the Bible says. I received him that day. As I mentioned last night, I went down a, a sinner, but I came up a son of God. The Bible says, but as many as received him. That's what I did that day. Gave he power to become the sons of God. Now I'm a son of God. I knew what my chief said was everything I was looking for. See, as a lost man, I had a void in my heart. I try to fill it with pleasure and liquor and drugs, but every time I woke up, I woke up wanting, because those things will never fill the void in your heart, but bless God, you know what will fill the void in your heart? Jesus Christ will fill the void in your heart, and I got saved that day, and my chief did what most people don't do, he discipled me every Friday night, I went to his house, his wife cooked a meal for me, he opened the Bible up and taught me the book, after a year, I said, chief, I want to learn some more Bible, where can I go? And he recommended me go down to Pensacola where I met Brother Keegan at PBI. All was going wonderful. First two years, 2002 to 2004, I was active duty military. I worked in the hospital during the day. Went to PBI at night. Most students, young students, are struggling for work. Wasn't me. Never had financial issues while I was in the school there because I had a good job. I was in the military and school was going great. Well, October 2004, fast forward, two years went by and my time in the military was about up. But they told me, they said, you can extend for one more year. I said, well, perfect. I got one year of school left, and I got uh, one more year of the military left. So in October of 2004, I signed a one-year extension to stay at Pensacola, Florida. The very next month, in November of 2004, they gave me orders and said, by the way, in January, you're leaving to go to Iraq. What I didn't tell you during that time, it wasn't too long ago, I found this pretty little redhead there. She's with me today, and I proposed to her, and to my surprise, she said yes, and so in 2005, we already had planned to get married sometime later that summer, but now it's November 2004, and I walk out with those orders, and I'm devastated. I know my fiancé's soon-to-be wife's father is dying of pancreatic cancer, and I won't be there for her. I'll be in Iraq. I don't even know if I'm going to come home. I remember getting on the phone, walking to my car, and I called my soon-to-be wife, and I said, Hey, Christy, what are you doing? And she's got the joy in her, her heart. I said, I'm mailing out our wedding invitations. I said, don't do that. And she's like, what do you mean? Don't do that. I said, I'm leaving for Iraq in January. I had to go to training in California. Then March, I'll be in Iraq. And, of course, it was devastating to her, too. And... Sure enough, we sped up our wedding. Brother Dilbert Terry in Tennessee uh, married us. That was all great. No pressure of six months of planning the wedding. We did it like a week. So that was a blessing. That was a silver lining. And we already had everything bought. And uh, so we made it work. But there I was. I ended up in... CAX, California in January, and in March, I flew into Iraq, and I was with the 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, I went to an Infantry Unit, I got stuck with the 4th CEBs, I say stuck, it ended up being a blessing, but as a Navy medic, as a corpsman, I was on foot with every convoy looking for landmines and IEDs with a bayonet. You think, you know, 2005, they're going to give you a minesweeper or some technology. No, they gave you a bayonet, and if you see some dirt overturned, you're supposed to stick it in the ground, and yep, there's metal, there's a landmine there. That's what I did for seven months. On top of that, saw uh, treated gunshot wounds. On top of that, saw blast injuries, pulling shrapnels out, going house to house, clearing it. Listen, I'm in Bible school. I'm preaching in prisons. I'm about to get married. Lord, what are you doing? You know what God said? I'm going to examine your faith. I want to see if you really love me. And there I had to go through a little bit of trial. You've been through some trials yourself. It's not because God doesn't love you. You know what he may just be seeing? He wants to examine to see how much you love him. But here we clearly see the examination of Abraham's faith. Secondly, I want to show you the action. Not only the examination, but the action. Look, if you would, of true worship. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, enclazed the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. See, once Abraham's faith is examined, you know what Abraham does? He takes action. If you truly want to worship God, even when your faith is under examination, it's not time to quit. It's not time to murmur. It's not time to complain. It's time to rise up early and do what God told you to do. Now there's a principle here. The principle is Abraham rises up early and he obeys God. You know what you could introduce into your Christian life that would just help you with your walk with God? Seek God first in the morning. Now many people rise up early for all types of things. People rise up early to eat a good breakfast. People rise up early to work out. People rise up early to go to work. But why don't Christians rise up early and seek God? I'll tell you why. And I'm not trying to be mean. I struggle with this too. We don't really love God as much as we say we love God. Because our love for God and our worship God is seen by our actions, not by our words. You know what you'll find out throughout the Bible? Many men and women who love God and worship God, the Bible says they rise up early. I find that interesting. The Bible don't turn their judges. The Bible says about Gideon, you know that mighty man of valor? It says he rose up early. The Bible says about Moses in Exodus chapter 24 that he rose up early. That's when God communes with him. The Bible says about Elkanah and, and Hannah who were for the birth of Samuel. You know, when she goes to the priest and she's, Eli thinks she's drunk. But at the very end of that chapter, says she rose up early. He rose up early and God blesses them with Samuel. You know, Job, the book of Job, when he offers sacrifice for his sons just in case they sin, you know what the Bible says? He rose up early and did those things. I'm simply telling you, if you truly love God and truly want to worship God, then He doesn't get the back end of your day. He's the beginning of your day. He's the reason you get out of bed. And we see this in the life of Abraham. He rose up early and sought God. Now, I understand everyone's got different schedules and different work and different life. I'm not telling you what early is, but the principle is, do you seek God first? Or do you seek Facebook first? Now, I know this is probably not a generation seeking Facebook, uh, or, but what do you seek first? Here, Abraham rose up early and went unto the place that God had told him. You know what else it tells me and it shows me here in this passage? shows me his immediate obedience. He doesn't beg God. He doesn't plead with God. He doesn't say, why God? He simply rises up early and goes to the place that God tells him. And listen to me, when the examination of Abraham's faith comes, Abraham takes action without question. But let's not divorce what's going on in the story. This is nothing easy he's about to take what he loves most and put it on an altar for God and he does it without question and abraham's action shows you that he wanted to truly worship God that brings me to the third point not only do we see the examination not only do we see the action but we see the devotion look if you would in verse 4 genesis chapter 22 verse 4 the Bible says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. I told you earlier that the first time the word love shows up, well, here's the first time in the Bible the word worship shows up. And Abraham's about to teach us a lesson about worship. And I told you what we see here is the devotion of Abraham when it comes to true worship. Let me just tell you, true worship will cost you. You know why most Christians don't want to really worship God? They want to get saved and they want to come to church, but they don't really want to sell out and do anything for Jesus Christ. Because it will cost you. And Abraham's showing us that true worship will cost you. It's the day now. It's been three-day journey. And he sees the place afar off. And now he's got to lay the wood upon Isaac. Isaac is carrying his own altar. Isaac is about to be that burnt sacrifice. And there Isaac's carrying the wood. And Abraham's got the fire in one hand and the knife in the other. You know what you see here? Abraham's devotion. I'll tell you what I mean in a moment, but could you imagine just for a second of taking that walk? I'm saying put yourself in Abraham's shoes. There you are walking. There's your son, your child carrying the wood on his back. You've got a knife in one hand and fire in the other. You know what's about to happen. I imagine he's thinking, man, I love this child how much I love him. I imagine he's thinking, Lord, if there's another way, if there's another plan, Lord, please just stop me. I imagine he had to hold back the tears. I imagine this walk was hard for him. You ever been there? In your Christian life? It's real hard. Doesn't make sense. Think, why, Lord? I mean, just unspeakably hard, can't explain it to anyone else. If you haven't been there, you will get there one day. Something will arise in your life. And listen to me, it's probably the examination of your faith. God wants to see if you take action. But it's also what we see is the adoration. You say, what do you mean adoration? Well, what you see here is, I'm sorry, not only is adoration his devotion. What we see here is Abraham is devoted to God. And Abraham is devoted for God. And what I mean by that is we see that he gets the command. Now he's going through with the command. And he's devoted to do what God told him to do. And and so here's the point. Talk is cheap. It's real easy to say, I'll serve Jesus Christ. It's real easy to say, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. But are you devoted? Will you go through with it? And here's the thing, people are devoted to something. This morning, you're devoted to something. It could be your career, it could be your family, it could be finances, it could be pleasure, but you're devoted to something. You know what that shows? What you really love. Because the things you're devoted to are what you really love. You know what we learn here? Abraham was devoted to God. Now, I apologize, got a little out of order, but this, the reason that Abraham was devoted to God is because of his adoration. And what I mean by that is how could Abraham take his son, remember his son whom thou lovest, and put him there on an the altar and be willing to sacrifice him? Because it shows us what Abraham really adored. You know, here's what I'm trying to drive at. You know what God will do? He'll examine your faith sometimes what He'll do by examining your faith, He doesn't examine your faith by the things you don't care about. You know what God will examine your faith by? You know how God will see what you really love? He says, will you lay it down on the altar? So I have a question for you this morning. What do you love? I'm not talking about sinful. I'm not talking about wrong. What is your reason for getting out of bed? Why, what is your heartbeat? Outside of Jesus Christ, what do you love this morning? Now, here's the question. Are you willing today to take whatever you love and put it on the altar? Are you willing today, metaphorically speaking, to take a knife and plunge a knife through it and put it on fire for the glory of God? Here's what I'm saying. Are you willing to give it up for the glory of God? Abraham was. You know what that shows? Yes, Abraham, this is thy son whom thou lovest. I want to examine to see what you really love. Do you, love. do you love Isaac or do you love me more? Do you know if you're not willing to give whatever you love for God up, it says you love that thing more than you do Jesus Christ. I've seen plenty of Christians get out of the race simply because they're children. I've seen plenty of Christians get out of the race and quit serving God because of a job. I've seen plenty of Christians get out of the race and quit serving God because of finances or issues in their life. And here's what it tells. They actually love those things more than they do Jesus Christ. Because they were not willing to put it in the altar and to give it to God. So I wonder this morning, what do you really love? And are you willing to say, Lord, it's yours. It's yours. It's not mine. Maybe it's your dreams. Maybe it's your ambitions. Maybe it's whatever you have in your heart. Are you willing to say, I'm not going to follow those things, but I'll follow Jesus Christ? See, this adoration shows you, yes, Abraham loved Isaac. But do you know what he adored more? He adored God more. He loved God more. And that's why he was willing to give it up. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ asked Simon Peter after Simon Peter Denied him three times. He said, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Here's the question to you this morning, Christian. Christian, lovest thou Jesus more than these? I don't know what your these are, but you have some type of these in your life. There's something that you love. But what do you adore more? Do you adore Jesus Christ more? Or do you adore those things, these, these more? That's the question. So we see the adoration, a couple more and I'll be done. Next thing we see is the confirmation. Look, if you would, in verse 9. Genesis chapter 22, verse 9. So we see that Abraham's adoration, he loved God more than he did Isaac. Verse 9, the Bible says, And they came to the place which God had told him of. Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. There it is. There's the confirmation that Abraham truly wanted to worship God. There's the confirmation that he really loved God. See, I know I started off by showing you the action where he rose up early in the morning and he went to the place. But it's one thing to be said to start off running your race for Jesus Christ. It's another thing to say that I finished my course. Listen, if I could encourage you folks in here, I don't mean this disrespectfully, I mean this to encourage you. Some of you are a little bit older than me. And some of you have been serving Jesus Christ for a long time. Could I encourage you? That's great. That's your action. But you're at the phase in your life where you've got to confirm it. Listen, I'm saying don't quit on Jesus Christ. Confirm it all the way to the end. Confirm it all the way to the grave. And listen, brethren, you'll be glad that you did. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. It sure is a blessing to me. Encourage me to see some of the same faces year after year. You know what you're doing? You're confirming your faith. You know what's happened over the years? You've had some hard times. You've had some trials, some tribulations. But see, Abraham doesn't just start off with action. Abraham confirms his faith. Now here's a good one. You'll like this one. I want to show you the revelation. Here's the whole point of this message. Look what it says, the revelation, verse 11. Genesis chapter 22, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. And said, Abraham, Abraham, and said, here I am. And said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. You want to know the revelation? God didn't want Isaac. God wanted Abraham. Remember a few moments ago I said, what do you love? Are you willing to bring it to the altar? I don't have to... It's not rocket scientists. Some of you are probably thinking, no, I can't do that. I can't give up what I love. But here's the revelation. God's not looking for you to give up what you have to make you miserable. God is simply examining Abraham's faith and saying, listen, I want to see do you love Isaac more than me or do you love me more than Isaac? And when he was willing to give up what he loved, God said you can have it. It's yours. And I'm simply telling you, God's not in the business of making you miserable. And so when you give your children at the altar to God, that doesn't mean He's going to take a knife and slay it. It doesn't mean He's going to remove you from their life. It's simply showing God, I love you more than my children. I love you more than my job. And I'm willing to sacrifice everything for you. But the revelation is, God did not want Isaac. God wanted Abraham. Amen. You know what God wants this morning? He doesn't want your Isaac. He doesn't want to take what you love in your life. He's given you life and he's given it to you more abundantly. He just wants to make sure you don't put that thing you love in front of him. And if you'll give whatever you love to him, he'll let you have Isaac just like he did here. Lastly, Let me show you the compensation. Not only the revelation, the compensation. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of the enemies." And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. You know what the compensation is? There it is. Abraham, because you were willing to give what you love, now I'm going to bless you. Now we talked all week about rightly dividing the word of truth. You're not going to get the same blessing that Abraham did. He's not going to multiply your seed as the stars of the sky. But I promise you this, Christian... If you're willing to truly worship God, which means giving what you love most to him, entrusting him with it, you will live a blessed life. You know why some of you have lived a blessed life like you have? Because you've given God your Isaac. You said, Lord, here's my everything. It is yours. Use me how you see fit. And listen to me. That's where the blessing of God comes from. And I'm not just talking physically. I'm not talking wealth. I'm talking about peace and joy and purpose and be able to go through the trials and the storms because of the presence of God's with you. And that's the compensation. I'll conclude with this and I'm done. I've got a dear brother in my church, my deacon, Brother Gary, he's a blessing to me. He's been steadfast the whole time I've been there. A little bit older than me. He used to be a pastor. He went through some trials and tribulations in his marriage. And what happened, his youngest son was diagnosed with a very rare cancer. And they fought that. And it was up in his face and eye. And he had a hole. And it was just awful, brutal surgery. Many years ago, probably around 10 or so. Maybe a little bit longer. And his son ended up passing. And obviously through that, with the pressure, there was marital issues and everything else. I don't know all the details. It doesn't even matter. But that marriage fell apart, and but he stayed faithful to Lord Jesus Christ. And he serves there at Lighthouse Baptist Church as the deacon and has never quit on God. Just recently, his other son, his only other son, was diagnosed with the very same rare cancer. There's only a couple cases in the United States every year. And both of his sons have it. One passed... One's going through treatment now. You know what Brother Gary just got done doing today? Teaching Sunday school. Well, his son's going through cancer treatment, about to need stem cell replacement just to see if he can make it. You say, What are you saying? You know what Brother Gary is? He's devoted to God because he loves God. You know how easy it would be to say, Listen, I've got to be there for my son and I'm not coming to church and I'm going to focus on him. You know what Brother Gary's done? He's laid his Isaac down on the altar and said, Lord, he's yours. But he was able to do that because he loves Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, when your world falls apart, when you walk through the valley of shadow of death, it's the time when you'll need Jesus Christ's presence. He shows up when you lay down your, your Isaac and say, Lord, he's yours. You can do better with him than I can. I just simply want to challenge you and to encourage you. There's something in your life you love. There's something that you're chasing. There's something that makes you get up out of bed. You better be sure you don't put that before God. Because there will be an examination of your faith. And what God wants to see, are you willing to put that on the altar for me? For His glory. For His honor. He's not doing it to be cruel. But He does want to see which one you love. Isaac or him, Brother Keegan? By
1: the way, come on up here, brother. I come up here and get on the altar and pray. Uh you can sit right there in your pew and pray. I know Brother Chad doesn't know all the details of this church, but we've had a lot, a lot of health issues through so many members of our church, I guess including me a little bit, and uh, those members are still here faithful, and I'm so thankful that they love the Lord Jesus Christ and are trying to do something for the Lord here, but maybe you have something you're going through this morning, maybe something nobody else knows about but you and the Lord, and the Lord wants to carry that burden for you. Maybe you have something you've put in front of the Lord, some some love of something. Maybe you just need to lay it down. Tell the Lord you love Him more. Let's tarry here for a little while and pray together. Lord, thank You. When's the last time in prayer you've just told Jesus Christ, I love you? I love you. I just love you.